Where are you going? How are you getting there? Are you strong enough? What is strong? What is greatness? Strength is what's left after all your weakness is used up. And it will be used up. You will fall and you will become weak. But what is strong? Strong is what you dig into after you are weak. You will get knocked down. You will. But you must get up. Never, never, never give in. You must move forward. This takes discipline. This takes training. It's not easy. No one cares if you succeed. No one's cheering you on. But you have to have the courage to live under strain and pain. It will be difficult, but these are decisions only you, only yourself alone can make. Do I care enough to try? Do I care enough to fall? Do I care enough to get back up? You must move forward. Don't look back. Don't look down. Look forward. Take the next step. So where are you going? How are you getting there? Dig deep. Move forward. You can. Because you are strong. What is in you, what is deep down inside of you, you may not have ever touched, but it's there. So it is up to you to make that difference, to make that choice. Do you want to be the person you are right now? Are you settling for less than you can be? Who are you? Where are you going? So where are you going? Who are you becoming? Um, I want to share a quick story that hopefully will reveal holes in my education rather than my intelligence. Um, when, when I was at college, I was in a cafeteria at one point, and I looked across this room full of people, and I saw the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen. It was, I was actually holding my tray, and it was one of those moments that's like engraved in the history of my mind. Um, and I just stopped, and you know, your heart's just like, tum, tum, tum. and I was like, oh man, and I was, I was like Mr. Bachelor to the Rapture guy, like, you know, <laughs> single forever, that was me. Um, I had no intentions of like meeting any girls, and then a few um, weeks later, I was in a big class that I came to mainly for tests, and I was sitting in the back, and for some reason, I was blowing bubbles over the other people in the class. Um, and one of those bubbles hit this girl with brown hair, and she turned around, and it was the same girl from the cafeteria. And I was like, and it happened again. Um, I had a little problem because that girl lived in Wisconsin, and I lived in North Carolina, and they're really far apart. Uh, so I'm, I mentioned I'm impulsive. Um, a couple weeks went by in the summer being separated, and I was like, man, love knows no distance. i got to go see this girl. So I called her up, and I said, hey, I'm jumping in my car. It's 11 o'clock. I'll be there in the morning. Um, so I jumped in my car and took off. 
And here's the educational part. Like, who knew Wisconsin wasn't directly north of North Carolina? Did, did you guys know that? Like, yeah. So I was homeschooled. I was private schooled. I was public schooled. I was Christian schooled. I was public schooled again. So I don't know where that fell through. But like, the year it ta- they taught it, I was at the other school. Um, so I jumped in my car, and I drove 12 or 10 or 12 hours to almost New York, right through the night to morning. Um, and I landed in almost New York, and I pulled out a map at a gas station, and I thought, dude, this map is broke. Like, you know, and I didn't know how to turn that thing so that Wisconsin was more north than it actually was. Turns out Wisconsin is very west north of North Carolina. Maybe you say that northwest. Um, depends which school you go to. Uh, so, so I actually, so I call her up, and I'm like, hey, I took a little detour. Um, I'll be there shortly. <laughs> Who knew there was a lake in between almost New York and Wisconsin? I mean, seriously, there is. Like, you start driving from almost New York, and you get to a lake. I actually had to drive south, and then west, and then even more north. Um, and I called her from Chicago rush hour traffic, 25 hours into the 14-hour journey. And I was like, hey, I'm not sure when I'll get there, but my car's still running, so it shouldn't be too long. 27 hours to go 14 hours. Like, I could have pedal biked there. I'd beat myself, right? Like, I could have gotten there quicker. Um, something really great came out of that trip, though. Like, I learned, well, future road trips. Like, I never had a road trip quite like that one. Um, okay, mainly because the passenger in every future road trip was the same girl from Wisconsin who's here today. Um, so, so that was really good, right? Like, it worked out for me. Um, yeah, thanks. Um, who goes to that kind of work? Yeah, this guy telling you, man, when you're in love, um, isn't that what we do with our spiritual journey too? When you first meet Jesus, when you first like are captivated by who this guy is and you're like, wait a minute, I've been thirsty my whole life and you have living water? Like I'm hungry for something deeper and realer and you have bread that is without cost. Like something happens, right? And you, 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 you go, that's who I want to follow. That's who I want to become like. That is the me I want to be. That's the person that I want to become. And so you go, yeah, yeah, that's, that's where I'm going. And you keep going down the same old road you've always been on. And let me tell you, because I've been there and I've seen people get there, that is a frustrating place to be. There's nothing more frustrating than somebody who gives their life to Jesus and goes, yeah, 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 that's who I want to be. But then there's some disconnect between their heart that says, I'm in, and their mind that says, well, this is who you are, and this is what you do, and this is where you're going. And we don't get off the road that we've always been on. There's something really cool about roads. Um, really cool. You can quote me on this. This might be my best quote ever. Ready for it, ready for it, wait for it. That's why I had to reread it. The glorious thing about a road is that it goes somewhere. Okay? I mean, I mean, it seems simple, but it's true. Like if, uh, wait, maybe you guys didn't catch it. <laughs> the glorious thing about a road is that it goes somewhere. And it goes to the same place every time. Like, who knew? Some things are abstract and some things are like mystical and intangible, but a road's not one of those. Like if I walk out of here and I get on 15 North, I go to Ogden every time. No matter how hard I try to go somewhere else, you know, I'm like, oh, this time I'm going somewhere else. A road just, just goes, and it takes you where it goes. Pretty good, right? So 
I get on North 15 and I go to Provo. And one of those places is better than the other. I'll let you decide that. But a road <laughs> just goes. I mean, it, it, it goes somewhere. Um, and so we, we know that. I mean, it's kind of silly in, in life when we get in our cars. We know that. But, but I see myself and I see my friends going, oh, yeah, this is where I'm going. You know, and in reality, they're going somewhere else. And there's this really cool thing about this, and it's, um, I love the way Paul says it to the Corinthians. Paul, when he writes his letter to the Corinthians, says this. He says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is past, and the new has come. And then later to the Colossians, the church that met in, in Colossae, um, he says this, and it's very similar, but a little maybe more theologically heavier. Um, it's on the screen, Colossians 1, 13. He says, God has delivered you from the domain of darkness and transferred you into the kingdom of his beloved son. God has delivered you from the domain of darkness and transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son. So, God, so Paul here is saying, literally, God has taken us spiritually and he has moved us from one location to another. He has transformed us from one old self to a new self. And the Bible is full of this kind of language. It's full of these things where, where God literally says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'm going to do something new and fresh in you. And you go instantly from here to there in the spiritual world. But in the world we find ourselves in, this, this very physical, tangible world, here to there is hard to believe when we still feel a lot like here. And old to new is hard to believe when we still feel a lot like old. And the me that we want to be, the, the people of God that are saying, God, I'm, I'm in, I want to go with you. Um, it's, we're talking about two different realities. And followers of Christ, um, we, we've got to get this. We've got to believe that there is a real spiritual reality there. And it's, it's different from, you know, our society makes jokes about people who live in the past, um, the typical joke is, you know, the football guy that was like a really big star in junior high, um, and now he's 40, and he still carries his football to work and talks about the glory days, or whatever it is, and we say like, man, you got to quit living in the past, bro, like move to the present, um, and God's like, hey, bro, get out of the present, because you are in the future now, like I have actually done something in you, and you're a new creation, so why are you still living like the old creation? Well, what's going on here? Um, I, I suspect I know the answer to this, but if I ask you, hey, do you want to grow with God? Like, do you want to go from being a regular you to being the person that God has created you to be, living and walking and fellowshipping daily, being with Jesus and bringing Jesus and the kingdom of God to your world? Do, is that something you want? Just raise your hand if you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's me, that's me. Cool, that's as I suspected. Most people in here are like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Um, hey, here's another question just like that. Do you want to be in good shape? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, <laughs> who doesn't want to be in good shape? Okay, so do you exercise and do you eat in a way that's going to help your body get in good shape? It's the same kind of question. And again, one seems so tangible and so duh. And the other one is like, well, I just want God to do that. <laughs> I just want God to... Um, to, to make me this person. And we were joking about those muscle pills at my house the other day that um, they advertise like crazy for these things on the internet and on TV. And you take three pills and next thing you know, like crazy freakish muscles pop out of your body and you're like, ah. Um, 
But I've never met anybody that's crazily, freakishly strong and ripped. And I'm like, dude, how'd you get so ripped? And they're like, oh, I just took three pills a day, you know. And, <laughs> um, but the funny part is, I know a lot about how advertising works. If people didn't buy those, they wouldn't keep advertising them. So, so that one's free, okay? Because, like, really, like, they're still advertising them, so somebody's buying them. And it's probably a few somebody's in this room. Um, but, but the same thing is true spiritually. Like, wouldn't it be great if there was, I mean, we could probably market this. If we gave the profits to God, would it be okay? Like, no. Um, you know, like, there's, there's no magic pill here. God instantly does something in us and for us and with us. But then we work that out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in you. And it's this, it's this process where God does something. God says the old is new. Uh, this place is now this place. But there's a journey still to get there that we take. The me I want to be doesn't just happen. Um, the reality of any kind of growth or transformation um, or, or change is that we work at it. We sometimes just have to gut it out and do the hard work to become who we want to be. In my spare time, I try to pass as a climber of rocks. Um, and climbers of rocks have to train if they want to climb better. So I do these things called one-arm lock-offs. Um, and what it is, you, if you can do it two ar- with one arm, you pull yourself up with one arm and then hang there, locked off like this. If you do it with two arms, you pull yourself up, drop one arm, and hang there, locked off like this. Um, you discover in doing these, like this thing inside your elbow, um, that's a weird little voice that screams at you the whole time. And it screams odd things like, I hate you, and you're an idiot. Um, and it can, and sometimes much worse things too. I'm not going to repeat them here, but it, it just screams at you. And if you, if you ignore that, the rest of your body starts to scream at you. And it starts to say things like, I don't see anybody else doing this. Um, but the one-arm lock-off is the thing that will help you grow quicker and faster as a climber than anything else. There's something about being able to lock your body off while you fiddle around with gear, while you place gear, while you reach for holds. It just will bring your climbing to the next level. So I keep doing them <laughs> and a bunch of other stupid things. Um, out in my garage, in the cold, I keep doing these things because, man, I want to climb as hard as my brothers, <laughs> really. Um, I want to climb harder, and I have these brothers that climb really, really hard and train really, really hard, so I'm constantly motivated because I want to not be here in climbing. I want to be here. And the same is true spiritually. Um, God gives us that little thing where he says, hey, you shouldn't have any other gods before me um, because he knows this will be the biggest battle that we face. You should have no other gods before me. And he didn't even bother saying, hey, don't have any other gods. He knows who we are. He knows how we are. And we have things that motivate us and things that manipulate us. And we allow things to master us. Um, and God, God doesn't say don't have any other, any other things like that. He just says, don't put anything else before me. If you want to grow to the me you want to be. If you want to become the person God's created you to be, um, you look to the future, <coughs> not to the past. And this is where self-discipline and spiritual disciplines just, just really come in. This is where we say, okay, that's who I want to be, and that's glory. So I'm going to do what I have to do to get there. There's a really beautiful piece about this, um, <clears throat> and it's this. 
we don't have to do it alone. Like, and this is really, truly good news. Like, this isn't something we have to do alone. The word synergy that we use in our culture, that we overuse in our culture, comes from the Greek word synergeo, um, and it literally means when two parties get together and work. Um, so in Romans 8.28, that word is used, um, where God says, I work together with the people that love me for good. Um, and God uses that word to say, like, I am working with you for your good and for the good of the world. I work with you. Um, and that is so the heart of God. There's this really cool passage. It's in Jeremiah 18. Uh, Jeremiah was one of God's boys. He was a prophet who like was responsible for bringing God's word to the people. So one time God said, hey, Jeremiah, come with me. And he took him to the house of an artist and Jeremiah stood in the doorway and he watched as a potter sculpted a pot. And God used that very visible physical illustration to say like, hey, just like the clay has to be malleable and the clay has to work like this, the potter responds to what the clay is doing. It's a really cool picture of, um, of, of God responding to us in the heart of God because um, that clay gets a bubble and it gets a lump and the potter has to remake it and refashion it. And God literally in that passage says, when my people hear my voice and do this, I'll respond accordingly. And when my people, like even if I say I'm gonna do this and my people respond to me this way, I'll change what I'm gonna do because that's synergeo. That's how I work with people. It is humbling. I mean, really humbling to know that God does that, that God puts himself in some sense at, at our mercy and says, I want to work with you and in you and this is the tricky part, even though I've already done the work for you. I hope that makes sense. I hope, I hope you guys are hearing it's not the spiritual discipline that, that puts us in right relationship with God. That's Jesus. That's Jesus, and that's the grace of God. And there's nothing we do to do that. We, we just say, God, I'm in. God, I accept what you're doing for me. And God goes, you're on the road. It's not even the spiritual disciplines, I don't think in my illustration, that allow us to move and to travel. I think that's God's spirit. I think God provides the wind and the power for that as we move closer and closer to who God's creating us to be. Um, but it's the spiritual disciplines that, that keep us there and align us with God and, and help us face Jesus and help us face him as he shapes and, and creates who he wants us to be. Um, We've got lists of spiritual disciplines kind of all over the place, and I'm going to put up a few of the inward disciplines. Um, there's a lot of them, so I asked Dave for an extra hour for Sunday, second service, white box. Oh, that's you guys, isn't it? So, uh, so that's really cool. Dave's like, yeah, it's the last service. Yeah, do whatever you want. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so here's a couple of these spiritual disciplines, and I really, I mean, truly, I wish I was sitting across from you, just you, over coffee, and really getting to have conversation about this because some of these things look a lot different, I think, than we, than we picture them when we see it just on a screen. Um, prayer, for instance, like a lot of us, we think prayer. Oh, this is prayer. Or, oh, this is prayer. And prayer can take a lot of different forms, and it has throughout history. So I'd love to be able to just engage in that conversation, uh, but I can't because I'm here and you're here, and even better, God is here. We, we live for a God that is present and real and near. And we don't have to do things to bring God near. Like that, isn't that cool? Like we don't have to do things to bring God near because he's already near. He's already close. He's already in the room. And so what we do 
if we start to tune in to that conversation that he's already having with us. And I'm just going to ask God to speak to you. We're gonna, I'm going to read through each one of these and maybe hit a verse on each one of them. And I'm going to just ask God um, to speak to you. So as, as we get to each one of these, I'll give you 15 seconds or 30 seconds to just close your eyes and say, God, speak. Um, so prayer. Here we go. Colossians 4.2, the same book of the Bible where Paul says, um, where Paul's just describing this spiritual reality and this physical reality. Paul says, do this, devote yourself to prayer. Colossians 4.2, devote yourself to prayer. Talk to God about that. How, how is that? How are you in God in that? Take 15 seconds or so. In Matthew 6, Jesus is walking around with some of his buddies and he says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So there it is. Take a few seconds with God. Um, hey, before you do on this one, fasting is something that followers of Jesus have done for thousands and thousands of years till about 50 years ago. And then we're all like, eh, we're kind of done with that. Um, uh, just for the record, a lot of us still do that. But, but this is a spiritual discipline. This is like very literally mastering your body and your desires and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to abstain from food generally, but it can be anything. And I'm going to put my focus on God. And that's what fasting is. Um, take a few seconds with God. So I have a goal for you guys in all of this, and I'll, I just want to be really clear about it so you can be thinking about it as well. Uh, my goal is that today you would take one of these disciplines and you would walk out of here with a new commitment to do it differently, a new, that you would literally say like, okay, I have been facing this way or this way or this way, but I wanna face this way. I'm tired of the frustration between my expectations and my reality. So my goal is that you guys would walk out of here going, I'm gonna do this one thing to turn towards God and I'm gonna, I'm gonna really honor God by disciplining and mastering and controlling this part of my life. My head and my heart are going to wake up in the same body and go, this is where I'm going, and this is the road that takes me there. So that's my goal. It's not really a secret that, that you guys would make a commitment. Um, I know when it comes to commitments, at least for me <laughs> and most people, um, a commitment becomes an actuality when you write it down and share it with somebody. Write it down and share it with somebody. So as God's speaking to you through some of these, we're going to talk about study now. As God's speaking through you or to you through these things, um, and, and you're like, oh man, this is it for me. This is, this is what I'm gonna do. This is what I'm gonna change. This is what I'm gonna do to work with God to become the me that God wants me to be. Um, write it down. Maybe text somebody too. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15. <clears throat> Paul writes to the same guy, to Pastor Timothy, and he writes about scripture itself and says, all scripture 
is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God, the servant of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Cool, right? Like, like Paul actually says, man, the purpose of Scripture, one of the main purposes is to equip you, to prepare you, to, to create you into this person that can be the person that God has created you to be, the me that you want to be. Um, take just 15 seconds or so, 10 seconds, um, and ask God about this, talk to God about this, listen to God about the study of Scripture. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. That's Joshua 1.8 and it's a spiritual discipline known as meditation, just the practice of, of really, it's a little different than study where you open the word and you just study it. This is taking a word from scripture or a phrase or a thing of God and just spending deep reflective time listening and communing with God over that. Um, I don't know. I don't know that we do that much anymore in a society that's packed full of busy, um, that's packed full of distractions and different things going on. Um, just, just take a minute with God. God, am I meditating on you? Am I spending time with you? Am I growing in this way? Um, again, take, take a private minute with God. Richard Foster, who um, writes a lot about spiritual disciplines, said this, meditation introduces us to the inner life. Fasting is an accompanying means. Study transforms our mind, but it's the discipline of prayer that brings us into the deepest and highest work of the spirit. Um, he goes on, this is really interesting. He goes on to say, with the decline of the inward reality of the Christian faith, a tendency developed to increase all that's left, the outward form. And whenever there's a form devoid of spiritual power, law will take over because law always carries with it a sense of security and manipulative power. Um, and I just think that's really insightful from Richard Foster to, to, to say, man, when we stop the inward disciplines, when we stop doing what, what we do with God, when we stop joining with what God is really doing inside of us, like then all that we have left is religion. Then all that we have left is these outward things um, that can look very similar, but they're the opposite of following God. Often, often we do things and we allow things to control us that take us in a very different direction than Jesus wants to take us when we meet with him personally, when we get in a habit and a routine and the discipline of, of constantly walking with him. Um, so again, would you guys just really like, I just want, I want God to just speak to us as a group, as a people, and say, like, man, I'm serious about this stuff. Like, I, I want to grow with you. Um, disciplines are the tools that God has used for forever to transform his people um, in the here and now into who he already named them, into who he's already created us to be. So it's, it's, again, it's this tension between two realities of we have the person and the place God has called us to be and said, this is you, this is your new identity. And then the, the world we find ourselves in as we work together with God to become the person that he has already made us. Um, 
Spiritual disciplines are like the one-arm pull-up of climbing. They, they really are the thing that will help you grow and help you go. Uh, one of my very favorite things ever is getting to introduce people to Jesus. I just, I love when people get a picture of Jesus and who he really is. This guy who, by the way, was incredibly disciplined. Um, 40-day fast, he's in the wilderness, he gets tempted with food and, he, and all these other temptations, and he just is able to stay the course because he had an end goal in mind. Um, this, this Jesus who disciplined himself so much that even on his longest recorded day in the book of Mark, um, he disappears to go spend time in prayer with God. This, this God who became a man who sweat drops of blood in his agony and his desire to, to not do what he had committed to do. And then this God who became a man that died on a cross. The most, uh, most tragic, painful story in our history because he had the end result in mind and the end result is you. Um, it's you. And so I love, I love getting to be the one that says like, hey, I've met Jesus, can I introduce you to him? And seeing people's hearts come alive because they meet Jesus too, man, it's just, I love it. Um, but this often is the common story, and tell me if you can relate to this. Um, we hear the call of Jesus, and we, man, for the first time, like, we realize how thirsty we are, and God says, I have living water. And for the first time, we realize how empty our life is, and God says, I have life and life to the full. And so we go, God, take my heart, take my life. I'm in. I want to be on this journey with you. I want to co-create with you. What kind of God lets people co-create with him? Um, so, so we do this, and we're, we go, God, I'm in. And God says, hey, this thing that's changing in your heart, like, yo, can we get together and talk about that? Uh, maybe over coffee tomorrow morning? And you're like, yeah, yeah, well, wait a minute. I'm not really a morning person. Um, yeah, and so God goes, well, that's cool. How about, how about in the afternoon? Can we get together tomorrow afternoon? Um, God goes, I hang out in Liberty Park a lot. I really like the people out there. So maybe you can meet me there after work. We can just talk about what's going on and what's happening and what's, what's happening around you and in your life. And you're like, oh, yeah, that'll be good. So you go to work and you're like, oh, today's going to be good. I get to meet with God in Liberty Park. Apparently he likes those people down there. Who knew, right? And so, so... Your workday goes, and by the end, you're really tired, and you're like, oh, man, like, I'm just going to take a pass and go home today. Um, so you do, and God's got the all-knowing thing going on, so he doesn't wait around a long time, um, but a little while, because sometimes we surprise him, right? And so, no, um, so he waits around a little while, maybe just because he really likes the people down at Liberty Park, um, but then he goes, hmm, I'm going to have to go out to that warehouse church. Um, I'm going to have to go find you there, because I'm having trouble finding you. Um, and some of these other places that I really wanted to meet with you. Um, so God goes out to that warehouse church, and, and he's here, and you're here today, and God just wants you to know. I mean, I really believe this. God just wants you to know um, he wants to meet with you. So I look at a room full of people, and I join you guys, and we're the people who have stood God up over and over again. Um, and we don't think about it that way very often, but we're, we're the people who have said, yeah, God, I'm, I'm going to come. I'm going to have coffee with you tomorrow. Oh, I just slept in. Sorry. We're the people who have stood God up over and over again, and God continues to come for us and to meet with us and to seek us down. And he came today to meet with you, and he's here, and he's going, I want to meet with you. And guys, I think, I think if we could get a glimpse of the depths of God's love and God's heart for us. 
Um, this isn't a shame-based thing. This is a conviction thing, hopefully through the Spirit, where, where God says, no, 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 you don't understand. I love you, and what I have for you, what I've called you to, who I've created you to be, is better than anything you can imagine on your own. And that's God, and he's like, I just want to meet with you. And so here we are, and I hope that today, I hope that we really do meet with God, and I, I hope that we set real actual commitments, which again, for me, that means you write them down and you call somebody. Um, you can text somebody right now if you want. Uh, but I hope that we set real actual commitments designed to do our part in meeting with the God who has already set us free, who has already named us, who has already equipped us and called us. Isaiah 45, 7, I think, um, maybe it's 46. It got, God says, I have named you, I have called you by name before you even knew me. God says, I have equipped you, I have prepared you before you even knew me. I am the Lord, your God. There is none other. Uh, one of my first ever multi-pitch climbing trips. Uh, multi-pitch is when the rock you're climbing is longer than the rope you have. Um, so you climb up some, and then you tie into little cracks and weaknesses in the rock, and you hang there, and you blow your buddy up, and then you climb up the rest um, and keep doing that. So my first ever multi-pitch, my brother and I, um, we were out at Hanging Rock in North Carolina, and we'd climbed up 120 feet to this ledge, um, this really, really beautiful day, beautiful rock, beautiful ledge, beautiful climb with my brother. I mean, it was just all around good. Um, so we were pretty excited. So we start switching gear and getting ready for the next pitch. And somewhere, I look over and see my brother. Um, and he's holding on to this little flake of rock. Um, I mean, I can still picture like the corner of the rock. We're on kind of a small ledge and he's holding this little flake and he's leaning out like this. You know, he's got one foot out for balance and he's, he's just kind of leaning and I'm like doing my gear over here, and I go, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, hold on. And he's leaning out, and whatever he's doing, he can't do it. So he moves his hand, so he's just holding like a little bit of nothing. And he's leaning out there again, you know, trying to like get different so he can reach further. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing, man? Like, what are you doing? Um, and he goes a little further, a little further, and he goes, <laughs> got it. <laughs> and he holds up this thing, and I look, and I'm like, what is that? He's like, dude, it's a blueberry, man. It was hanging off of the crack of that rock, and I got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and isn't that us? Like, we're like, God, I'm in. God, I'm with you. God, I'm, I'm going. Then we're like, hey, what is that? <laughs> and discipline is the space that we create day after day that allows our mind and our heart to control our will and go, hey, what is that? That's not for me because I'm going towards glory. And I'm telling you guys, when, when you, you know people like this, when you run into people that their lives are all about Jesus and everything they do, their direction is towards God. When you run into people like that, you run into glory. You run into people where you're like, People are in the image of God, and that is a reflection of God. And that person has a little bit of the kingdom in them that they bring to everybody around them. And I want to go to glory, man. You know, I, I want to live a life that is far above what I could ever do on my own. And I believe a lot of you guys do too. And one of the ways we do that is we gut up 
and we do one-arm pull-ups, and we do finger lock-offs. I didn't even talk about those. We read our Bibles, and we spend time with prayer and prayer every day, and we spend time meeting with Jesus because what we see is better than what we see here. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with prayer. Um, and I'll call, if you're the, the people connections team with offering, um, go ahead and bring those down and I'll pray for that as well. Um, hey, offering to, um, as we give to God here at K2, uh, once again, like it's this beautiful thing that God calls us to um, where God says, hey, here's a, great, here's a great way to practice this. Here's a great way to deny yourself to master your, your own desires, to have your heart and your head wake up in the same body and go, man, we are going there. And God says, discipline yourself and do this for me. Uh, so God, I, just, I ask you to bless our giving today. God, because we're people who don't have to give. We're people who, who you have already set free and you've already done something phenomenal in our lives and our giving to you doesn't, it doesn't change our position with you. But at the same time, it changes something and it allows you in one more way to, to shape us, to disciple us, where we become followers of you and one more time we say no to the flesh and yes to your ways. And so God, what, what a beautiful opportunity we have to do that, God. Would you bless this time of worship? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.